0: Good morning, everybody. It is with a tremendously heavy heart that we are here this morning to report on the passing of the wise and the beautiful Nancy Shanks. Known to we Tory fans as Beanie, Nancy was a tremendous influence over Tory's life and her music, from singing background vocals on her first CD to being referenced in countless Tory songs. Without a doubt, Nancy had a tremendous effect on the work and the woman that we love so much. In January 2017, Nancy Shanks was diagnosed with ALS. ALS, or amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, is a progressive disease that affects the nerve cells in the brain and the spinal cord and generally results in the brain being unable to control the muscles voluntary muscle movements such as walking or chewing your brain is unable to send signals to the muscles so although ALS is physically debilitating the disease itself does not affect your senses like sight or hearing or smell or taste or touch and it does not affect a person's mental acuity or intelligence and it does not affect your wherewithal so Nancy was sharp she was very very sharp. We decided to go off course today and do something a little different for our show. Last year we had the great fortune to have a very special conversation with Nancy Shanks that affected both David and I very much. After our conversation, we worked with Nancy to offer anyone who contributed to her GoFundMe account, we offered them a special autographed present we developed this idea together and we commissioned an artist named Liz Knickerbocker to hand paint 50 individual sunset postcards and on the front of each of those postcards we wrote look it's the sunset I found it and we addressed and we stamped them all and we sent them to Nancy to sign and drop in the mailbox we had them all stamped and addressed Um, and I know she received them and I know she wanted to sign them for everybody So we're putting pictures of those postcards without the words. We're putting pictures of those postcards on our Instagram. For those of you who are so generous to contribute to Nancy's GoFundMe, everyone who knows Nancy speaks so kindly of her. And it's clear she affected people in a very profound way. David and I only spoke with her on the phone one time. But as you'll hear, the conversation was very moving in a way. So I wanted us to take the day... To hold space for Nancy, to honor Nancy's contribution to the music that we love, to the woman that we love, to the story, to our story, to Tori's story, I just want to hold space for Nancy today. So I'm going to start this episode with um, a really moving performance of Bells for Her from Nashville 2017, this last tour. Um, Bells for Her was kind of a staple on this last tour. And in many ways, I think that Tori was absolutely trying to hold space for Nancy as well. So we're going to start with Bells for Her from Nashville 2017. Then we're going to replay our conversation with Nancy. Remember, there's still so much research that needs to be done. There's so much work that needs to be done in the ALS community. So you can still and you can always make a contribution to ALS Association at www.alsa.org slash donate. Remember there are people out there fighting who need your help who need a better quality of life. So thank you for listening. And Nancy, wherever you are, may you rest in harmony. listening to Drive All Night, the songs of Tori We are your hosts. I'm Efren Jr. And I'm David Anderson. And today you're listening to a very special episode of our show. We're so thrilled. We're about to talk to Nancy Shanks, who you know as Beanie. Beanie. Um, Nancy has a GoFundMe right now. It's GoFundMe.com slash ALS relief dash four dash Nancy dash Shanks We're going to talk to her a little bit about that. But first and foremost, we want you to go to GoFundMe. Support her GoFundMe page, please. We are going to do so as well. And the time to do that is now. Please do that. Take a pause. Grab your soda because she spills some tea. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Are you excited? We get the tea from B. Exactly. Um, Okay. We're going to play our interview with Nancy. We hope you enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back. And on the line, we have the one and only Nancy Shanks. You know her as Bean or Beanie. That's how we know her. Thank you, Nancy, so much for taking the time to talk to us today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: We're so excited. Let's just dive right in. We know you and people in our community know you as Tori's best friend, but you have a whole music career of your own. So let's start. Tell us a little bit about growing up and when you knew you wanted to pursue music.
1: Um, I guess when I was very young my mom was a singer she sang with big bands and and uh, so it was always a part of our household like my, my grandfather my sister we all sang so yeah i think it just it just evolved into i used to play guitar and and sing for the the different classes at school and and uh so that kind of thing and then join bands so i think it started really young because that was part of our life
0: were you are you originally from california
1: No, from Illinois.
0: What brought you to L.A.? Just the Hollywood scene?
1: I was, well, no, I went from, I went to Minneapolis and then I joined, I left my band and joined Vixen, if you remember that band.
2: Wow. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. And then I I was put on salary to start an all-girl band in Rapid City and we brought a guitar player out um, from California and uh, I ended up coming out here and writing with her. And then I stayed for six months and came back again. And that was it. First six months with artists.
2: What was it like to be in L.A., part of the music scene in the 70s and 80s? In our minds, it was incredibly decadent and magical and all of those things. What was that like for you?
1: Yeah, well, life was definitely different. I mean, the the way they handled uh, artists, for one thing. I mean, you know, being an artist was was something that they worked at, you know. And then all of a sudden, everybody wanted somebody that sounded like somebody else. Mm-hmm. And problems began and A&R people went away and they were, you know, everything was handled by business people. So it was, it was in that sense, it was much more magical back then and I suppose decadent too.
0: <laughs>
1: I don't know how to describe that.
0: What was the club scene like?
1: You know, I was never a big club scene person. There was a period, though, that that we did go out at, at midnight dancing every night. So that was obviously a, uh, a wild period. That's when I was doing a lot of commercials then. With all the, the whole jingle house went
0: out, so. You were writing for commercials or you were starring in them? or
1: No, I was singing, oh, singing. wow! yeah. I got Tori on a few of those.
0: Oh, well, we'll get there. David and I here are obsessed <laughs> with uh, Ready to Fall in Love Again. It's our personal theme right. song. Absolutely. A hundred percent, we are obsessed with that song. Um, can you tell us a little Good. bit about the backstory of that particular track and how that was released and your whole release history?
1: Well, I I wrote it with my boyfriend. We were a writing team, so it was a love song that just happened. It, there's no real big backstory there. It didn't get really get released. It got sort of released, but they, what happened was um, uh, EMI was no Trans America. This was a long time ago, um, but they were selling the trans, the distribution. I think to Trans America. Anyway, there was a period where there was no money, so having something released at that, and it was right after they had just crossed Crystal Gale over with Jonah Make My Brown Eyes Blue. I love that song, too. (laughs) It's like, so, yeah, that's the kind of thing where it's like everybody get out of the way. Everybody's going for this now. You know, everybody was working on making that happen. Mm. And that that was followed by um, a period of of no money for for the company. So um, we ended up leaving. I'm not sure that was a good idea, but we did.
0: Well, I don't know when the last time you revisited that song was, but it's great. We play it all the time. (laughs) It's so good. Right. Um, it's such a time capsule, I feel, of that period, too. Yeah. You mentioned getting Tori on commercials. How did you meet Tori? Mm-hmm. Um, and were you instantly close? Were you instant besties?
1: I I did a, the, another record in in uh, London with uh, Rhett Davis. I don't know if you know that producer, Brian Ferry. So I did a record over there with him. And when I came back, I went to a um, little talk at my, my vocal coach's house. And there were two brothers there. Eric and his, his uh, brother, Michael. And Michael asked me out, and so I invited the four of the, Eric and his girlfriend and, uh, and Michael to something that was happening at the Roxy, and Eric's girlfriend was Tori. Ah. Yeah. So we all went out, and yeah, we just hit it off, and we were fast friends.
0: Was she Tori then, or was she going by Ellen?
1: No, she was Tori.
0: She was Tori.
2: And how did you end up getting the nickname Beanie or Bean?
1: We talked so much on the phone when we weren't together. And we would always, we started saying, Do you, know, you know what I mean, Bean? We were both called Bean. Oh. Yeah. So we went from Bean, what started with Beanie to Bean to Bee. So now we're just Bee.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, and does she and she's, you still call each other Bee now? Yeah. That's great.
1: Yeah, she's B-E-E and I'm just B.
0: Ah. <laughs> so around that time, um, you were in the video for the big picture, along with Rance Hosley and Steve Caten, both people we've talked to on this show. Can you tell us if you remember what that shoot was like and any reflections on the Why Can't Tory Reed era? Did you do vocals on that I, as well? Uh,
1: why Can't Tori Reed? No, I don't think I did. That was um, I was there part of the time, but I don't think we did any vocals on that, and I do not remember that at all. That's what I don't that's the thing that I don't remember. I can't remember what went on. I mean that the it was great while she was doing the record, but um I don't remember being in a video. She
0: was super prolific at that time too, right? There's a ton of stuff that she had um registered for copyright, right, David? Mm-hmm. A ton of stuff she registered. So yeah. she was writing a lot. Did you did you catch any of those early performances and what were those like?
1: I didn't catch her early performances. When we met, she wasn't really doing that. I mean, she was doing her a nighttime gig and, and writing stuff. So it was, it was about signing the record deal and, and getting in the studio.
0: So after Why Can't Tori Read, she went on to move to London, and then she did Little Earthquakes, which you did backing vocals, specifically on the song Crucify and Little Earthquakes. Um, mm-hmm. Can you speak a little on the difference between the Why Can't Tori Read era, the change that she went through, and what recording Little Earthquakes was like?
1: Well, I mean, the the, the change was that she, she just dug deeper into what she wanted to do, you know, because they she w- she went through that period where they want to change you, and it was just don't change. And so she went further into what she was doing. Um, it wasn't a I guess there's a, there's always a maturing process when you do that, you know. So um, we were doing a lot of growing then, yeah. both of us. So it was reflected in music.
0: As you're describing the music industry too, like people trying to push you in certain directions and trying to make you carbon yeah. copies of other people,
1: right? And she didn't do it, which was, was great.
2: Do you remember what it was like when you went in to record your backing vocals and where that happened and what the process was like, or even how how you were asked to be on the album?
1: Oh, uh, how hey B, you want to come and sing us? That works, sure. Um, yeah, that works. So, I got another friend of mine, and we went in and and sang, and we it was funny because I was doing that screening on on uh, on crucified and they, they the producer nicknamed me the Antichrist that day because <laughs> I just I could do it over and over again. I love it, so it was fun.
2: well, of all yeah. the nicknames to stick, it's probably good that you ended up with Beanie and not Antichrist, I guess, <laughs> but
1: right. Yeah,
2: we have been there's something we can't
0: figure out and it's on the track girl, which I know you didn't sing on. But I know um, you might I think you might know the answer. There's a male voice that says in the background, sit in the chair and be good now. And we're trying to figure out who that man is.
1: <laughs> Do you know that man? Boy, you should have put it. No, but if you'd put that on the list, I probably could have asked her. the other oh. day. But I,
0: oh.
1: oh, sorry.
0: No, it's fine. Um. So it sounds like Little Earthquakes, you know, Little Earthquakes was done, as we know, you know, in closets and in small rooms. Um, and then you went on to record backing vocals again with her for In the Springtime of His, vo- his Voodoo, which is a whole was a whole different right. production. Can you talk a little bit about the difference between, obviously, Little Earthquakes changed everything for her and for a lot of people in the world, and things changed in her recording process as well. Can you speak a little to that difference? Uh,
1: well, yeah, I mean, I think they would just come off, they just come off the road, I don't know i was i mean there was a there was a whole organic process that was wonderful when she was doing little earthquakes just uh um, and when they came to do the other i was I was doing silence in the, at the Irish house, and uh they all kind of just showed up and and so it was a little bit different because they just came in to do that. You know, it wasn't like there was a lot. Of, there was a lot of other stuff going on all the time. They were doing stuff other uh, wherever else. They I can't remember where they were before. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. It's been twenty-two yeah. years. Oh my god,
0: we're all so Ooh. old.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. I, I I I used to do silence there a lot. It just I would always do ten days of silence. That was my thing, and uh, so I'm I'm I can't quite remember where they were before because. We had all been in uh, we'd all been everywhere else together so I'm not quite sure where, where the separation happened that, that I was at the house by myself for a while
0: that's fascinating so you you do days of silence what's can you talk a little bit about that yeah
1: yeah I, well what happened was when uh, the, the EMI EMI folded basically after my record and uh, which is why no one's heard it and uh, um, so I just I went back to London and I was singing, and every time I go to do vocals, I get hoarse, and so I decided I just didn't know what to do, and I said, you know what, I'm going to go into silence for 10 days, I just made this up, and when I come out, I'm not, the only thing I have to do is be quiet, when I come out, I will have a, more of an idea of what I really want to be doing mm. at this point, point. and then I really got into the silence, and, and it got to the point where if my phone rang twice and, and it picked up, they'd they, people would just say, call me when you're out of silence. <laughs> So it was everything it was spiritual. It was, it was creative. It was calming.
0: I've never heard of that. That sounds great. It sounds like you
2: learn a lot about yourself while doing that probably.
1: You do. You can really watch your thoughts.
2: So you were part of that album and then, uh, Tori took that album on the road with the do drop into And a lot of people don't know this, but you were the masseuse on that 1996 tour with
1: Tori. Yeah. What was we were both living in London at, at the time and, uh, we just decided because I want I was starting to write I wanted to write a book, so I was I had already started the book and uh, I had lived with this healer. He was a wonderful healer, not a nice person. In fact, he's the man with the golden gun. <laughs> oh um, wow! I think he knows so much. Um, but I was but he was really good at what he did, and he taught me because we traveled all the time. So he taught me to work on him, uh, just doing structural stuff and and this kind of massage thing and I like doing massage anyway but the structural stuff was Tori had I thought had a problem with her jaw for a long time and I knew how to put it in to adjust it so we figured I could work on her jaw get get all that in and do the other stuff too because I like doing it if I found it's a real nice break from from writing and I could write my book and we can hang out so that's how that happened
0: (laughs) that's so great yeah. Um, had you been on? Had you been to portions of her other tours up to that point, or was this the first one you hung out on?
1: Oh, that was the first one. Yes.
0: I love these nuggets. So you say this healer was the man with the golden gun. Uh-huh. Do you have any nuggets like that from the first three records? Any like factoids that you might be willing to share with us, or things you know just off the top of your
1: head? Um, I don't really. I'm sorry.
2: Totally fine.
1: I don't even know how to go into
2: that. <laughs> yeah, that's a big opening question. But on that yeah. on that note, you're, you know, we'll say, <laughs> we'll say in the best way possible, a character in your own right, in a lot of Tory songs that's reference. Right. Um, how does, right. how does, how does that feel? And are you sort of, are you told ahead of time, like, hey, I'm going to put you in this song, or do you just hear it one day and you're like, oh, there I, there I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And,
1: and it's wonderful. I mean, especially as a writer, you know, that, that, that that stuff comes from somewhere inside of you it's a feeling you know you can't just sort of decide you're going to write a song about something well you can but it comes out differently so um so it was great and to have somebody that writes like her write a song about you is, is wonderful i mean it's a great feeling
0: speaking of songs written about you have you been asked a lot in your life about bells for her or has that ever come up have people approached you at shows or anything like that
1: no but i you know i i, I don't really hang around where where people would approach mm-hmm. me so i don't really you know, engage so much i'm kind of a bit shy i suppose so no one's ever really asked about it
0: um did, is there anything you want to it's share 20. about that time i know that you i know I was
1: it's to say did you want to know anything? yeah i would love <laughs>
0: to i mean we would that song is one of oh my god it's one of her most enduring songs it's really been on every tour in different arrangements and in, in incredible arrangements as we know it, it was kind of an incantation. She just started playing it and out out it came, which makes that song very special, I think, to her also in the frequency that she plays it, but to us as well. And we love Bells for Her. It's just such a classic Tory song. So anything that you can share about it would be great.
1: Um, Yeah, well, it came after Cornplay Girl. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We were living in Taos at the time and I was living with a man with a golden gun. And and, uh, he was just kind of awful and made just made everything really difficult for me and then i kind of just took off for a while and didn't want to talk to anybody i just i needed to get sometimes when you with somebody you need to get them out of your life you have to go be only with them
0: oh yeah i've been there shove them out, you <laughs> yes yeah.
1: yes so i had to take care of that and uh, so i guess i didn't see anybody for a while and, and that's that's where those songs came from one out of the frustration and one out of the heartbreak. What it was that?
0: What was your experience like hearing those songs for the first time?
1: Oh uh, well, um, I was moved, you know. I was moved, and uh, and I, Alan was gone, and she and I were hanging out again, and and everything was back to normal. So it was really great to hear them. So I didn't have to hear them in the sad time. I heard them when mm-hmm. it was a good time. So.
0: Oh, that's so great. I know that you two are close, and so it's different when you have, you know, a friend who's. I mean, she to us is this incredible musician that we follow on tour. To you, she's a friend. Is it? Do you follow her shows? Do you? The only, the only reason I'm asking is because Bells for Her has had such a diverse array, a diverse array of arrangements. I was wondering if you yeah. heard any of the other arrangements of the song.
1: I've heard a few of them. I've heard a few of them, and I've had people send me things, a few different things.
0: Oh, great. Cool. So,
1: um, but I don't go to all the shows, if that's what you're asking. Wow. Do I like to listen to records? Of course I do. I don't listen to anything all the time these days. Yeah. So,
0: What other musicians do you love?
1: You know, right now, it's weird. It's kind of, I'm kind of in a, a, I was asking my nephew, I said, I need some new music. So it's been, it's just been a really tough year or so right now. So I, I need some, some new things. I think, to, But right now, right now, I really haven't even been listening to music. And and that's kind of a strange period. But that's what this period is bringing right now, kind of quiet. Mm
2: -hmm. I'm interested in different healing modalities and kind of other people's spiritual practices. And it obviously sounds like you have uh, kind of a background in body work and things like that. Are there any other practices or beliefs now that are important to you or things that you study on your own or anything like that?
1: Um, well with with what I'm dealing with right now, I mean I really have to it's, it's it's a total mind body spirit, and I think you really you really get the the power of of having to to call on all of yourself and I think that the that I found that it's what I wanted to be doing anyway it's I certainly didn't want to be brought to it in this way but but um meditating. It's, it sounds so trite to say thinking positive, you know, it's, it is not thinking positive in the sense that you, you, you have nothing behind it because you have a feeling behind it. I mean, it's really, it's really feeling a positive feeling rather than just saying a positive saying. And I think that I'm really getting, I'm really starting to understand how you anchor, um, you anchor that feeling in you. And, uh, And I'm having, I'm doing that every day right now, you know, just uh, really, really believing that something, something can happen, something can shift, something can change And, uh, and, and God, I don't know what else to say yeah, about it. I
2: know exactly what you mean and how challenging that can be when things are hard. And when you say it sounds trite, <laughs> when you say it sounds trite, there's a huge difference, obviously, between thinking positively, meaning like, oh, things are all going to work out, and actually try, right, trying right. to trying to adjust your frequency, let's say. So yeah, I absolutely exactly. know absolutely know where you're coming from, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. So it's, um, and there are times when you don't have a, cho- a choice. You really have to do it, and I, this is one of those times. So I guess I'm learning it in a in another way. It's like it's like if you read the same the same book. If you love a book, a spiritual book, and you read it and you read it ten years later, and five years later, or whatever, you'll get something new out of it. And uh, this is not anything I didn't know before, but I'm having to I'm having to really make it work, and uh, it is challenging. But it's it's worth it.
0: So Nancy, you have a GoFundMe page set up, right? Yes. Um, can you talk a little bit about the challenges you're facing and?
1: Yeah, I was diagnosed with with last year with with ALS, and you get no help from from uh, insurance. You basically they just write you off, and it's a very weird feeling. Um, so you have to go go somewhere and try to save your life, but the first thing they tell you is to to reject the medical community because they don't help you. But you you, kinda, you have to keep one ear open. The big challenge is that you don't get it. In, there's no known help medically for, for ALS. So you have to go and, and search. There's uh, different uh, studies being done, but they're far away. And, and the one thing that, that they, they have had success with, but you can't get it through your doctors, is um, stem cells and uh, right now, walking is very challenging um, and uh just trying to stop the decline and and reverse the symptoms it takes everything you have so and it's and it's a very it's a, they call it the expensive disease I guess it's because you don't get any help
0: from the um, insurance at all
1: yeah, you do you i guess you do get some if you're if you're in in the dying stage, mm-hmm. they do help with certain things but i'm'm really sure because they keep telling me that, that call this number and they'll help you. And you call that number and they don't, you know. Mm-hmm. You call this number and they'll help you get ramps. And you call the number and it's incredibly expensive. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not help.
0: Right, right.
1: So, um, Yeah.
0: Well, we here at this show will certainly be supporting you, and we hope that everyone listening to this interview right now will support as well. Again, it's GoFundMe.com slash ALS-Relief-4-Nancy-Shanks. Please go right away and do that. You are so dear to us. You know how they say a friend of a friend, but you, I mean, Tori is more, it's so interesting how our relationship with Tori, she's more than a friend. She's really someone who has changed a lot of our lives and you being dear to her is very dear to us so thank you so much for taking the time
1: well thank you so much and and she was she was completely uh supportive of me doing this today so
2: that's wonderful we so appreciate it and obviously we have yeah. We have such a relationship with Tori's music which is why we do this show but you you are a huge part of that music as well in you know in terms of appearing on songs but literally your voice. Right. And this music has supported us as people but also as a community over so many years so if in any small way we can we can offer you support back then that's hopefully what we'd like to be able to do. So
1: thank you so much. That means so, so much. So
2: listeners
0: Go right now. There's a link, of course, on our website and in our show notes. Um, please go right away. And Nancy, thank you again. And if you need anything from us, please feel free to reach out. Okay.
1: All right. And if anybody wants to put it on Twitter or oh yeah, we will Instagram.
0: We'll do it right thank now. Thank you so yeah.
1: much. That will be done for All sure. All right. Okay. Okay.
2: All right. Have a good night, okay. Nancy. Thank you. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. You too. Bye bye.
3: Bye. What I said was uh, to Beanie, who's the love of my life. My husband understands this. That. Um, Well, we're married, we're absolutely married, and I adore her with all my heart, and she's dated some idiots, and I hope you're watching. Want you to know what I think of you. And um, in another life, I'll absolutely kick your ass. And I'm going to kick it right now, actually, (laughs) because this is for her, and I'm in love with her. Hang on. Okay, so everybody, off your asses.